So welcome to the European Parliament here in Strasbourg and an EPP group talk on defense uh, as we try to push uh, more common European defense as war rages on uh, in Ukraine. Uh, there is legislation here in the European Parliament to coordinate across the European Union with a thing called EDIRPA. Okay, that's part of the, one of those alphabet soup things that happen here. And let me uh, tell you what it is. It's European Defense Industry Reinforcement Through Common Procurement Act. What does that mean? It means that we could, if we can make this work, we could uh, order and build things collectively. We can buy weapons collectively, and that would mean, through economies of scale, it would make it cheaper, right? Save money. So to talk about this are two of the people behind this legislation. Um, Michael Gala, MEP from uh, Germany, co-negotiator of EDERPA, right? Uh, also on the subcommittee on the security and defense. And, and shadow negotiator, shadow rapporteur, uh, uh, Sarah Skittedal from uh, Sweden. You're on the Industry Research and Energy Committee. So welcome to both of you. A um, couple of uh, facts uh, that Kyiv, uh, the Ukrainian government, has told the EU it needs 350,000 shells a month uh, as it plans its counteroffensive. Um, there is, separate from Aderpa, there is a European peace facility uh, worth uh, uh, 2 billion euros. That is to help arm, that is to help arm Ukraine now. Uh, but what we're looking at with Aderpa is a longer term um, uh, plan to coordinate our defense uh, purchases. So uh, what is the urgency behind this, behind both arming Ukraine, but also trying to coordinate our, our common uh, defense uh, uh, purchases, Sarah? Well, I think it's, it's quite obvious that we have a situation where uh, European Union member states uh, we have decades of, unfortunately, underfunding our armed forces, and uh, therefore there hasn't been enough defense spending. Yeah. Uh, I would say in general, this is a, a failure, I think, of many European member states. Uh, and then Russia's war of aggression in Ukraine happened, yeah. which has united us. It has shown, we have shown uh, uh, a massive uh, solidarity towards Ukraine, and I think it, the unity has been important. Uh, but through this, we were also... Uh, uh, given a lot of uh, munitions, uh, both uh, complex weapon systems and a lot of ammunition to Ukraine. Yeah. And now the stocks aren't uh, in a good state. Right. We need to replenish these stocks uh, as soon as possible. And I think the European Commission has many uh, ideas on this. But EDIRPA uh, is crucial because uh, if we procure together, we can, of course, uh, get better prices. We can get shorter delivery times. Uh, I uh, normally like to say Adirpa gives us more bang for the buck, quite yeah. literally. Right. And I think this is what we want and, and we need to do it quickly because this is a war happening now in Europe. Right. I want to come back to you on uh, the fact that this is uh, not, not just, you know, uh, building weapons, but it's also a question of jobs, too. But we'll yeah. come back to you on that. Uh, European P Peace Facility, can, can we go back to that quickly, uh, uh, Mikhail? Uh, there is an example of that is a 151 millimeter initiative. Is that the, the shell, right? That is the shell, yeah, yeah. 155, yeah. That's an example of that, isn't it? 
Well, uh, uh, that is what uh, is urgently needed yeah. uh, and uh, is an example uh, where, where we need to deliver quickly. And that is not rocket science in the real sense. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that is something that is standard ammunition. But the capacities uh, are, are, have been uh, reduced uh, su sufficiently uh, and uh, consequently we need to, to build it up and, uh, and, and look where we get it from. And the, the purpose is now to, in order to uh, give it to Ukraine, uh, be able to, uh, to first of all take the stocks that we still have and in parallel build up uh, the capacities. Uh, I mean, uh, the peace facility was not, from its origin, was not designed for Ukraine we, because we didn't plan for no. this war. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Putin planned for that, uh, not we. But I think positively it was uh, unprecedented the quickness and readiness and unanimity of member states to use this instrument for the uh, urgently needed purpose. And, uh, and so far we have used now the, the bulk of, of the instrument for Ukraine. It has been agreed to enlarge the scope. Yeah. It was 5 billion for seven years, which have always almost been, been used by now. It has now been increased, but uh, um, uh, the uh, Ederpa uh, regulation is also, its purpose is also that we can retroactively make use of it. So that uh, the funds that, that are available to facilitate the common procurement will also be able to be used for, for addressing this uh, need for, for the 155 millimeters. Yeah, so the peace facility is actually almost like a model for what we want to do longer term with the DERPA, right? We want to well, uh, expand well, on well, our I'd weapons say, purchases the, the, the collectively. The peace facility is outside the budget yeah. because it's military. Uh, IDERPA is inside the budget and facilitates uh, the common procurement. The procurement itself is done by the member states because they own the armies and they own the weapons. Yeah. And then we'll see what we do with it, replenish our stocks or deliver it to Ukraine. Okay, but what is at issue, one, one of the issues here is how much should we buying, be buying among uh, uh, European uh, uh, defense uh, companies and how much should we be uh, allowed to buy outside of the EU? Um, yeah. Would you like to comment on that, Sarah? I mean, on the long term, it, I think it's crucial that we get a strong European defense industry uh, that, that makes sure that we have uh, the opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to, to give enough of, uh, uh, of defense products yeah. to, to our yeah. forces. Uh, but I think it's a reality that we live in a globalized world and, and a lot of European member states are, uh, have strong collections, trans the trans uh, transatlantic link is, is crucial for right. many uh, member states right now so with, yeah. uh, with the US, also UK is important even now. Right. They, they, they now left the European Union, we are all aware. Uh, and, and I think uh, this is the case now and these countries will be crucial to replenish the stocks short term. And this is a short term instrument, so they will need right. to be a part of it. But uh, we also need to think ahead how to build European security better in the future. Yeah. And there we need to have another perspective and make sure that we don't make the same mistakes we did before, hmm. believing that peace is forever. Uh, we need to, if you want peace, prepare for war. And this is what we're doing right now, I think. Yeah, and, and well, an, an example of, of buying transatlantic are the F-16s that Germany wants to buy, right? 
Well, uh, I mean, we have the, the FCAS, the Future Combat uh, Air System, uh, that, that is what the common project is, but it will not be available before the end of the 30s, probably. And when there is urgent need uh, to, uh, in the German case, to replace the old tornadoes, uh, uh, then there is this, is, I think it's F-35. Oh, it's F-35, F-35, sorry. F-35, okay, 16 is the yeah. discussion about Perfect. Ukraine. Yeah. No, um, uh, the, uh, the F-35, because they are available now. That is the similar argument that the Poles are using for buying tanks in South Korea. I mean, that does not strengthen by any means our European industrial base. No. But uh, if there is a short-term need, uh, well, uh, I acknowledge uh, that certain member states uh, then uh, take recourse to, to, to other available mm. uh, uh, weaponry. Although I think with the instruments that we've got, apart from uh, the uh, peace facility outside the budget uh, with also the defense fund that we've got. The European the, defense fund, with the, yeah. With the European defense it's fund. 8 billion, with I the, think, isn't it, over, yeah, over seven years? With the uh, intention with to define priorities with the PESCO, the Permanent mm. Structural Cooperation Projects. Mm. There has been already in the past the opportunity. We offered something. It hasn't been used by member states because the sense of urgency wasn't there. But now, yeah, why, now, when, if not now, the sense of urgency is there right. and uh, we need to, to deliver better in the future. Yeah, why don't we make a, talk about jobs as being a, a, you know, a case for a DERPA as well and, and, and developing our own European defense uh, industries. Uh, you uh, uh, were uh, Linkoping mayor, home of Saab. Linköping. Linköping, sorry about <laughs> no, that. Okay, maybe impossible right for... <laughs> And, uh, and, yeah. uh, and, and you were mayor there, and that's the home of Saab. Yes. Uh, which uh, not only made cars, but also makes a lot of defense uh, hardware. Um, so you, can, you saw from the ground there the importance of, of a defense industry for creating jobs, right? Definitely. And, and I think, I mean, modern warfare uh, demands quite uh, modern, uh, you know, <laughs> weapons, uh, yeah. which, uh, which demands, uh, you know, a lot of talent. Yeah. And, uh, of course, in Linköping, uh, Saab, this, uh, the biggest defense company in, uh, in Sweden, is, yeah. is, of course, a crucial employer uh, for the municipality. And, and I think it really, uh, if, if we don't keep uh, these talents in the European Union, it's a loss as well, because if mm -hmm. we want to be prepared for the future, mm -hmm. uh, we need to, to ensure that we have uh, defense industries also in the European Union. And, uh, but of course, Adirpa is it's a short-term instrument. You might not be able to uh, focus there on building innovation for the future right. as a prior target. But we do hope for more for, from the European Commission on this to find also uh, long-term instruments to have uh, more, uh, more efforts because uh, if we pool our resources, uh, we can get so much out of it together and uh, to, to diminish all the uh, the failures that we did in the in the past yeah. when it comes to both underfunding but also uh, uh, not ensuring that we have the capabilities uh, in different areas of uh, of defense. Yeah, and there's and there's also yeah. as as Mikhail mentioned the uh, the European Defense Fund, which uh, I believe is eight billion over over seven years. It's uh, uh, but mainly for R and D. Purposes, isn't it? It's not yeah, actually to, to buy up weapons. To, well, no, no, indeed not. Uh, but uh, uh, up to a prototype, you can yeah. uh, get uh, the funding to if, if there is enough uh, cooperation on, on agreed projects, mm -hmm. which is to an extent the case. Uh, the industry has, has uh, accepted this instrument and makes use of it. Uh, and uh, uh, but indeed, 
it is for the long term and in the given circumstances. And I'm afraid that we will not see a peaceful, democratic Russia very soon. So I think politically speaking, yeah. we can encourage our industry to, to extend their capacities and to, to hire people and to invest right. because they, the tasks will be there. The, the budgets will be available. And uh, mm -hmm. once again, this, uh, uh, if, if we find common ground on common projects and we will be, if we are in any given theater, we will be there together. So it makes sense to have also from an interoperability point of view in yeah. future uh, better uh, equipment. Yeah, let, let me mention on interoperability, EU has 17 tanks versus one American tank, the Abrams. The US has 30 separate types of weapon systems versus 178 for the European Union. This is according to a white paper by the European Commission. Um, interoperability, how do we try to bring, to consolidate and, and, and avoid having so many kinds of, of hardware, Sarah? To one extent, I think it is, it, it's important to, to try to, to find more of common standards, but it is a dual perspective because, uh, because, of course, if you look at it from a security point of view, having just one system uh, creates also vulnerability uh, when your uh, opponent uh, yeah. wants to learn how to target this system. So sometimes diversification is not always uh, of evil, so it needs to find a a good balance there, I think. Yeah. Well, also right. in this area, I mean, although the state is the only uh, purchaser of yeah. weapons, uh, still some kind of competition is not wrong. Yeah. No. So if you have a choice, mm -hmm. but still, uh, I think, and that is uh, the experience. I mean, NATO has been around for 70 years. And when we were uh, with the EPP group three days before the start of the war in Rukla in Lithuania with a NATO enhanced presence, and uh, our leader, uh, Manfred Weber, asked the soldiers, what are your daily business? Well, so the Germans and the Dutch in this case, they said, well, we try to communicate with each other because we are, mm. well, probably uh, communicating on different wavelengths of the different <laughs> technologies. Ah. And that is after 70 years of NATO. Yeah. And in this regard, uh, well, NATO doesn't have legislative power, no. but we have. Yeah. We let's, let's look. We have, so, mm. we have harmonized and standardized so many uh, technical standards and systems uh, by legislation, let us perhaps extend it a bit more to the military side and thereby also uh, get more, well, uh, common communicability well, can, in this case. Yeah, okay, then can we also <laughs> do something about the, the, the amount of expenditures? Because uh, NATO had agreed mm. uh, to 2% uh, of GDP yes. as a target, uh, but only at the moment, only 7 out of 30 of the NATO members uh, have met that 2% target. Germany, around 1.5%, yeah. right? So how do we get the other country? Well, I don't know where, where Sweden is on this. We, we're we not yet up, members of NATO. Unfortunately, I'll rub it in. We're yeah. getting there, I hope. <laughs> yeah, that's another question. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, we're not there, but we're get, we're, we, we have politically decided to get there. Okay. And I'm saying, that I, I mentioned this before, this is a failure for so many European yes. member states. Yeah. We have underfunded our armed forces in mm. general. Mm. And this is something that you don't change overnight. No, because yeah, there are other priorities too, I mean, right? uh, we're talking now about weapons, but also, you know, on the human resources side, it takes a lot of time to yeah. train new troops. I mean, it's, it's, it's a failure uh, that and, it hasn't yeah. 
and also to be attractive as an employer, uh, yeah. the army, which is uh, in my German case definitely not the case. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, because I mean, the the barracks have been run down. The materials, the uh, the equipment is is old, and so that is for young people. It's not necessarily an attractive uh, job to do it. Apart, yeah. So uh, right. it's a it's a now a long term. But I would say the two percent, they shouldn't be considered a ceiling mm. on top, but a minimum. Exactly. I mean, that is where where we where we are. Unfortunately, where we are. Okay. Um, let let me t touch on one. Uh, aspect that, that, that some people in Europe are, are nervous about is, is, is a question of building European defense potential uh, and NATO. And uh, does this effort for, at ADERPA, does that compete with, what, with, with, what, with NATO? Are we, are we building I, a separate European army through, through ADERPA? No, no, definite, no. definitely not. Uh, as I said, before ADERPA is an instrument to facilitate common procurement and it serves the common purpose. I mean, it's complementary to, to, to NATO efforts. And as we have a single set of forces, uh, if we deliver better on our forces, mm. uh, regardless under which command they are, NATO, EU or uh, uh, United Nations for some time at some point. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, uh, but it serves the purpose for in whatever configuration our troops are, uh, are used. Right. Yeah. So, and Sarah, think, you're yeah. not yet a NATO, but still, what do you think? <laughs> it serves NATO's interests? Definitely, yeah. uh, it does. And I think it's important that what we do here in the, in the European Parliament and in the European Union when it comes to defense, uh, to only complement both NATO but also the member states, because we don't want to uh, overstep our, our competences there uh, mm. either. Right. But there is, is parts here that we actually that the European Union can do and that NATO won't be able to because NATO is not, as, as Michael mentioned, a legislative uh, you know, institution. And then we need to see how the European mm. Union can use our best uh, comparative advantage yeah. in this, uh, this whole possible. And NATO is crucial as well. Right. And I do hope that Sweden will become a NATO yeah, I, very that, soon. That was my next question. <laughs> okay. Can you give us the yeah. latest on that? I mean, uh, how close are we to, to getting Turkey to accede to allowing... Yeah. I don't want to go into the details on that, but yeah. I mean, how close are we on that? I'm, I feel really confident that Sweden uh, will become a NATO member very soon. I mean, there's, uh, uh, there's only two NATO members still left to, to ratify our membership. And but you're optimistic. Well, I'm very optimistic. When are the Turkish elections? 23rd of May or when is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, so, uh, they're a decisive date. A lot of talk so, about wait so until have, after those elections. Either we get rid of yeah. Erdogan and the next government will do it or he is more relaxed after the election when he wins. Voila. So let's, uh, from both angles, look positively exactly. on, on a good yeah. result. Can we also look ahead to Aderpa? Where, what's the next step on Aderpa? Um, there will be uh, very soon the, the vote in the joint committee session of uh, industry and uh, foreign affairs committee. We will yep. vote there in, in the next session week. And uh, then we will hopefully start in May uh, with the trilogue uh, with the council. And if everything goes well, we hopefully could finalize it in, in, in July in the plenary. Are you, are, you, are you pretty sure that you got the votes there all together but among all the parties? You know, well, we're not just talking EPP right here. Well, uh, no, no, there has been a broad agreement and we will have block vote uh, on, the, on the agreed uh, uh, draft and then uh, can march on uh, to the other side. <laughs> okay, very good. Sarah, anything else you wanted to add on this? I think we're... 
No, I we think good, right? uh, we, there's a strong support for doing this in, uh, in Europe, and we're happy to come to an end with the negotiations. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Sarah, Mikhail. Thank you very much for joining us, and thanks to all of you for watching this talk, uh, the CPP talk on, uh, on defense and ADERPA. Um, take, keep an eye on the uh, uh, eppgroup.eu for any other uh, information on this and at EPP Group on the social networks. My name is Chris Burns. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.